The Lord be with you. The disciples' first question to Jesus is, Teacher, where are you staying? And that's a question I've been asking myself a lot recently. Jesus, where are you staying? Because, if we're honest, it's been a hard month here at Faith Lutheran. Now, don't get me wrong, we had Christmas and all sorts of joyous celebrations and parties and services, and I was grateful for all of those, but in terms of heartache, it's been a hard month here at Faith Lutheran. And it started December 13th, when Ruth Coots had to say goodbye to her husband, John, her husband of 64 years. And that was hard. It was even harder because a year earlier, Ruth had had to say goodbye to her only son, something no parent should have to experience. And then, two days after Christmas, Carl Scownberg, he had to say goodbye to his daughter for the last time. And perhaps that was made harder by the fact that Carl and Harriet Scownberg had just moved into an assisted living facility and are definitely not at the place in their life where they have the strength to deal with the grief that this entails. But if that were not enough, just over a week ago, we as a congregation had to say goodbye to our dear friend and sister, Cindy Stewart. And I think that was made particularly hard by the fact that at first it seemed like a miracle had happened and Cindy had recovered from the bowel obstruction and the, and the botched surgery that came with it. And, and she was getting stronger day after day after day. And then suddenly it was like a switch turned. And within a week she died. And that same week her dear brother Roger also died. Amber, Cindy's daughter, said maybe the two of them rented an apartment together in heaven. Which is a sweet thought, but doesn't make it any easier for the family. And on top of these three deaths, there have been dozens of other crises and emergencies in the life of our congregation. And I'm just going to mention one, which is that of Carl Johnson. Praise be to God, he's alive. But a little over a month ago, he had kidney failure, so he went to Enloe, and they patched him up for a while, and then they sent him to rehab. And, and much like Cindy, he was getting stronger day after day after day, and then about a week ago, he had a bad fall, and his health took a sour turn for the worse. Now, thankfully, he's back at Enloe, and they patched him up. His kidneys are working again, and and hopefully he's stabilized, but I will tell you what, after what happened to Cindy, I'm a little gun-shy. And so I find myself asking, Jesus, where are you? Where are you staying right now? It's hard to see you. And so I'll admit, on a, on a bit of a selfish level, I'm excited because tomorrow, I and nine other members of our community, we're going to the Holy Land. And I know for a fact Jesus was staying there at some point. And I, like the disciples, I say to Jesus, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. And those disciples, it says that they went and they saw. And I'm so excited to go to that spot and say, yes, Jesus was staying here. Except that if you read the gospel closely, you'll notice it doesn't actually tell us the spot where Jesus was staying. 
Yes, Jesus says, come and see. And the disciples, they go and they saw. But the disciples see, but the gospel right here doesn't tell us where that place is. The first question that Jesus' disciples ask him, the disciples get an answer, but we as readers of the gospel don't. At least not in that verse. Because you see, John the evangelist, the gospel writer, he's going to use his whole gospel to answer that question. Where are you staying, Jesus? John's gospel, it starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes a little farther and says, and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's the answer as to where Jesus is staying. Jesus is staying among us. And then Jesus tells his disciples, come and see. What in the world does that mean that you're staying among us? Come and see. And so we, with the disciples, get to follow Jesus through the whole gospel, seeing what it means for him to stay with us. And what we see it means is that Jesus stays with us at our wedding. And he turns water into wine. And what we see is it means that Jesus stays with us when we're too weak to stand. And Jesus will say to us, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. We'll see what it means is that Jesus will stay with us when we are weeping beside the grave of our dearly loved one. Jesus will weep alongside us, but then Jesus will tell us to roll away the stone stone in front of the tomb, and he will call out to us, come out. And then at last, we see that what it means for Jesus to stay with us is that Jesus will stay with us when we ourselves enter the grave. That on the cross, Jesus won't let a single moment pass by when he's not with us that he will stay with us in death so that he can rise with us to new life and the resurrection that is to come. You see, when it comes to where Jesus is staying, it's not about a place. It's about a promise. The promise that the Word has become flesh and is dwelling among us. Look, in the ancient world, there's no two places perhaps more different than the fishing villages along the Sea of Galilee where Jesus first calls his disciples and the city of Corinth to which the Apostle Paul writes the letter of 1 Corinthians. Sea of Galilee, those fishing villages, they're provincial backwaters. Corinth is a center of trade and administrative capital of Greece, whereas the Sea of Galilee and those villages are poor. Corinth is rich. The villages along Galilee, they're provincial, but Corinth is metropolitan. Those villages along Galilee, well, Jesus walked there, but Corinth has never seen Christ step foot in its city limits. And yet, the Jewish Paul writes to the Greek Corinthians, you are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord, their Lord and yours. Because wherever you are, there Christ is with you. If you're in Corinth or in Galilee, there Christ is with you. If you're in the Holy Land or in Chico, there Christ is with you. If you are celebrating your wedding feast or you are burying your loved one, there Christ is with you. And I know those are easy words to say. 
And I know they're harder words to see. But I have seen them. I have seen them in this past month through you. I may not have seen water be turned to wine, but when I go and visit Carl Johnson in the hospital, he spends half of his time telling me how beautiful his bride of 54 years is, how smart she is, how despite the fact that she's just a third his size, that she is his rock and his strength. And he tells me, Ben, if you also want to have a beautiful bride of 54 years, this is what you do. Every week you go and buy your wife flowers. Not when you're fighting, never when you're fighting. Just on the regular, ordinary days to remind each other how beautiful your marriage is. That's what you do, Ben. He tells me this when his wife is standing beside him and he tells me when she's not even there. And in that, I have seen salty tears turn sweeter than wine. And I have seen Jesus staying there. I may not have seen the lame learn to walk, but this past week, when we had a funeral here for Carl Skallenberg's daughter, we then went over to the, uh, to the cemetery just across the street. And the ground was muddy and the grave was a little ways across the grass, and Carl, now being 99, was in a wheelchair. This man, who was preparing to lay his daughter's body back in the earth, he could not get to that grave. And so I saw in that moment his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren surround him and hold him and together lift him up and carry him so that he could take a tentative step after tentative step to the graveside. And there he placed a flower and laid a hand on his daughter's casket. In that moment, I saw a man push away his wheelchair and walk. I saw Jesus staying there. And I may not have seen the stone rolled away from the tomb, but the night before, Ruth had to say goodbye to her husband, John, when all she could see was death surrounding her. I saw the Sunday school children of Faith Lutheran show up at her doorstep and start singing Christmas carols, carrying lights and holding cookies, calling her to come out. And that's what I saw her do. I saw a woman who knew only the grave in that moment step outside and see the beauty of life through the joy of children. And I may not have seen the resurrection. But when Cindy Stewart was dying, I saw her three children surrounding her and holding her hands, singing to her, Jesus loves me, this I know, the same way their mom had sung it to her when they were kids. I saw that she didn't enter the grave alone. She didn't have to face death by herself. Someone was there with her through the love of family. Paul writes to the Corinthians, You are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you await the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that is true of you, you people of faith. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you await the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know this to be true because I have seen Jesus revealed time after time after time through you. I have seen that Jesus is staying here in this place. And friends, that is the greatest gift that I could ask for. It is more precious than gold. It is a gift that when we are given, we can't help but want to give away, which is when John the Baptist, which is why when John the Baptist sees where the Holy Spirit is staying, when he sees Jesus revealed through his baptism, John can't help but tell people, there he is. That's the one you were looking for. You were wondering, where is God staying? It's here, in him. This past week, Don Hines reminded me that throughout the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, paintings of John the Baptist depict him pointing. He's always pointing at stuff. I brought some of the pictures here. He's pointing, Jesus, he's over there. Or, or there's another one. Oh, no, he's up there. And now on the last one, oh, he's down this way. John the Baptist is always pointing because he's seen Jesus and he wants you to see Jesus too. But here's the thing. Jesus will tell us that in this life, John the Baptist is the greatest person who has ever lived. But then Jesus says, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. And I think maybe the reason why is this. Because when John the Baptist sees Jesus, when he sees where the Spirit is staying, what John the Baptist does is he points. But Jesus' disciples when they go and they see where Jesus is staying, they don't point. They invite. Andrew, after he stayed with Jesus, he goes to his brother Simon Peter and he says, we have found the Messiah. And then he brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Andrew stays with Simon Peter just as Jesus had stayed with them because in that staying together, that is how we know Jesus is in our midst. And the next day, Philip is called by Jesus to follow him and, and Philip, having seen where Jesus is staying, he goes and, and he finds Nathanael and he says, we found the one of whom all the prophets have spoken and Nathanael's not buying it. So Philip says, come and see. Come and see. Stay. Stay with us just as Jesus does. He's here. So tomorrow, nine of us, ten if you count me, are headed to the Holy Land. And we will see spots where Jesus stayed. We will see old cities and ancient ruins. And we will be able to point to those places and say, Jesus stayed there. But I have a feeling we will also see Jesus stay with us on this trip. Not in those old cities and ancient ruins, but, on, with, but in the people that we stay with on our journey. And that is true here as well. I have no doubt in the two weeks that I am away, you will see Jesus staying here. You will see him stay with you when you make a meal to feed someone who is hungry in body and soul. You will see Jesus when you give someone a ride and you realize that you haven't just moved their body, but that you've 
gave their spirit a lift. You will see Jesus here among you when you wrap your arms around someone in a hug and you hold with them their joy and their grief all at once. But you can do something better than pointing. You can invite. You can invite the people in the world who say, where is God? I can't see Jesus anywhere. You can invite those people to see Jesus where you have known him to say, hey, I saw him when I made this meal and shared it with someone. Why don't you come and join me in cooking one for someone else? You can invite them and say, I'm going to go visit someone who is lonely and grieving. I saw Jesus there last time I went. Come with me. You can invite You can invite them when you go and lend a hand to your neighbor, cleaning debris from the flooding. Say, I've seen Jesus there. This world is hurting and wondering, where is Jesus saying? But you know. So invite them. Come and see. Jesus is here. And he always will be. Amen.